Welcome back. Episode number four. Uh, moving right along. Uh, we have a packed show today. I, uh, I'm, I'm super pumped to actually get uh, behind the microphone for this one. Uh, looking forward to this episode all week. It, it seemed actually like a long time in between episodes. So I'm not sure how you guys felt out there, but uh, excited to be back. Uh, we've got, again, uh, a packed show. We've got our, uh, our Milwaukee Tool prize winner joining me here in just a couple of moments. Uh, I've got Brett with BAM WX stopping by. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Brazilian weather. Uh, Josh Linville has uh, granted me permission to cover his fertilizer uh, update here, that mid-November update, so we'll cover that. I also have a feed uh, market update from uh, our uh, friend David Lee over at Marketplace Commodities. And lastly, we got a couple of combines for sale. We've got some twins uh, that we're going to uh, talk about here towards the end of the episode. Uh, new for this week, uh, I have um, started up a, a bit of a, a text message line. Okay, so uh, if you text one eight five five six zero six one eight eight nine, that's the number. Uh, text futures uh, to that number and you will get uh, prompted into the uh, what the futures uh, text group or text list I guess I should call it uh, of course you can always send me an email as as well with the futures at gmail.com and head to the website uh, which is what the futures podcast.ca so you many different ways to interact uh, with me here uh, moving forward uh, so let's kick off positive Friday I've got a couple of positive moments uh, of the week here uh, i'm going to go all the way back uh, to last thursday to the launch party at troubled monk uh it was uh it was kind of like getting uh, a nice big hug um there were farmers there that i had not uh had a, a conversation with since um you know sometime in 2019 or 2020 uh of course met some new faces and uh, overall it was just a great time so uh, i had a lot of fun uh, at the launch party, I hope you did as well if you joined me, and uh, certainly one of my positive moments. Uh, number two uh, is actually this uh, little recording um, that I'm putting together here. The podcast is actually traveling a little bit further than uh, I expected after that first week. And uh, so for me, uh, super motivating to see that and uh, super excited to get behind uh, the microphone again this week i i want to put together some solid content for you guys tuning in and i'll just tell you you haven't seen uh the best of me yet uh it's a work in progress uh aim to get better and better each week and uh you know that's the focus here uh so without further ado uh let's bring in our big winner of over three thousand dollars worth of milwaukee tools Nathan, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. I um, well, I can't believe it was you that won the tools. Let's let's just start with that. The guy who I spoke to, of course, you you sent in that great uh, voicemail recording about what's going on with the wheat markets or what what was the upside there. And so we were chatting back and forth, and uh, you you weren't maybe going to put your name in. So it was a good thing you did, buddy. Congratulations on the big milwaukee tool win um 
$3,455 worth of Milwaukee tools. And uh, I got to ask you, man, where are you a Milwaukee tool guy to start with? Well, first up, yeah, thank you. I guess thank you for uh, convincing me to enter in the first place because, uh, yeah, I hadn't up to that point. And, yeah, that's probably the best part uh, for anybody that knows me. Um, I am, I'm not necessarily the uh, mechanic around our farm. Uh, i got a couple brothers that are much more talented than I at that. So uh, it's great yep. because I won the tools but they're Milwaukee fans. So maybe it'll be a little bit easier for me to convince them to help me out on my projects. Perfect. You know, worst case scenario, you've got lots of Christmas presents to hand out if, if needed to, right? So no, that's awesome. Oh, exactly. um, well, I got you. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your farm operation, where are you guys based out of? And uh, yeah, a little bit about farm family. Yeah, so we're a, we're a fourth generation uh, family farm in West Central Saskatchewan. Uh, I get the opportunity to farm with my my dad and a couple brothers. There's actually a there's a whole slew of us, and we all work together. We farm. Uh, we mostly grain farm now. There's there was a time when there was cows, but that's kind of dwindled down now. So we seed uh, primarily canola wheat, uh, yellow peas, dabble in some barley, malton feed, oats whatever we can uh whatever we can make profitable anyways yeah you bet good stuff and uh you got like a a learning moment or a highlight from 2023 i know growing conditions probably a little bit uh tough in your area in 23 but any positive moments that you want to that you could cover you know what yeah we we definitely had some some real adverse conditions and i think our biggest our biggest you know learning from this year was never give up on the crop uh there was there was times where it did not look good and we wondered if we were doing the right things and we just kept we kept doing what we always do and you know there was there was some surprises out there and some good ones and sure. i mean we're seeing everything from seed to you know drill technology and sprayer technology really carry us a lot further than maybe it would have past generations awesome awesome that's really good um and, and good to see for sure um well man i again congratulations on winning these tools uh i am going to uh personally deliver these at some point in the next week or so i know it's a, a little bit of a hike uh, to get up to your place but i've done the drive before and look forward to to having a coffee and uh and getting this out to you and um yeah, man. Uh, again, uh, we'll talk soon and have a, a great rest of your day and uh, I'll see you soon. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Thanks for the tools. You bet. Well, there we have it. Our big winner, Nathan, out of Unity, Saskatchewan. So, uh, you know, congratulations there once again. Uh, continuing on here with uh, episode four, uh, I want to just talk about maybe things that... Uh, that we're working on, on, on the farm side. Um, maybe there's some helpful tips in here. Maybe you're way ahead of what we're working on, but I, I sometimes, uh, in the past have, uh, have shared, you know, what I think, uh, makes sense to be working on right now, uh, from a farm business perspective. And, um, yeah, maybe it, maybe it, 
it triggers something or helps. Um, so like our crop plan for the farm is, uh, is outlined uh, right after we plant. So if we're, you know, planting in May, uh, our next uh, crop is, um, we kind of have an idea on what's going on uh, as we get into June. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, number one, it's usually some selling opportunities out there, uh, especially in your canola market, spring wheat, uh, Kansas wheat, maybe soybeans and corn for a lot of folks as well. Um, so that's kind of the one reason that we do our crop plan uh, that early. And then we also, uh, more often than not, are making a, a fertilizer purchase uh, way back then. So um, now, as I sit here in November, if I haven't done those things uh, yet, uh, I'm still uh, spending a great deal of time um, in the office now that fall work's done and uh, just kind of going over the budgets and the numbers. Okay. So I, I'd say today um, we know our fertilizer cost or we have a really good idea. We've renegotiated or, or, you know, tied up any land rental agreements. Um, I know my, my seed costs, my fertilizer costs, my land costs probably have a budget set aside for chem for now. Um, and then also maybe a budget for insurance. So I'm certainly refining my numbers here and, and uh, just kind of updating them, figuring out um, what it's costing me to grow a bushel of, you know, X, Y, Z. And, uh, you know, one reason for that is just to get a handle about a handle around profitability and and um, arm yourself with that information for uh, business decisions here uh, over the winter. Uh, but also there's probably, and more you know likely uh, another selling decision that uh, is happening soon. Uh, you know we had AgriTrade last week, so farm shows are kicking off and often at these farm shows you start to get those bids for that next crop year. Uh, more often than not, you start to see those. And so you arm yourself with with your information and and um, give yourself an idea on you know what's profitable, what makes sense. And uh, it's a good time uh, to do that. so we're we're certainly spending our time getting a, a good handle on cost of production, good handle on return on investment, and then also playing around with crop rankings. I, I've seen, uh, you know, many analysts across the prairies come out with their crop rankings. We'll have uh, Chuck Penner in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, join us to cover his. But uh, I, I strongly encourage that you do one for your own farm. Uh, and the reason is obviously everyone has, uh, you don't have to go very far between uh, quarter sections to get different types of results. So what I might say is my number one crop could be, you know, your number 10 crop when it comes to profitability. It, it just kind of depends. Uh, the easy thing is that anything in short supply uh, that was grown in, in 23 in a drought area is a crop that you can pencil in as a higher return potentially here for 24. So you're looking at lentils, uh, green peas, um, that sort of stuff. Uh, so I, I strongly encourage you to do one. Like I, I, I do yield and my price expectation, and then seed, fertilizer, chemical budget, and crop insurance. 
Uh, that's what I put in for my costs. Everything below that I use as my overhead number. And uh, I wanna see what ranks is the top in that scenario. And then I keep my overhead fairly consistent below that. So if, um, you know, if it's, if I'm spending 250 bucks to grow a, a canola crop with uh, seed, vert, chem, insurance, another 300 bucks of overhead, that's 550 bucks. I just use that 300 across each uh, crop and, and uh, figure out profitability from there. Um, so right now it's all about the numbers, folks. I guess the long-winded way of saying it's all about the numbers. Okay, uh, next segment here is uh, I've got a little bit of a fertilizer update uh, for um, for you. And I reached out to Josh Linville. He's kind of like the fertilizer uh, rock star of, of North America. Um, fertilizer prices obviously went uh, crazy here the last couple of years. And Josh uh, kept everyone uh, informed on Twitter on, on what was going on. So you can, uh, you can subscribe. Uh, to StoneX and, and to Josh's information. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, go and take a look at this stuff because it's uh, some very good information. So his November mid-month report, he covers phosphate and urea. So let's talk about phosphate for a second here. Uh, so the U.S. has changed some of the import duties against Russia and Morocco. Uh, Russia, uh, they increased the rate to 26.5%. Uh, so that uh, should shut off Russian-produced phosphate from entering the U.S. For Morocco, they actually lowered it from 20% to 2.12%. And Josh says that the, this doesn't mean that Morocco product will come to the U.S. now. Uh, they have other global destinations, and they want uh, the rate to be 0%. So he would not be surprised if very little to none actually came to North America. Next major headline uh, for phosphate is that China is imposing export restrictions on phosphate, similar to what they've done on urea. Uh, it's a big deal because China is typically the world's largest exporter of DAP and MAP, DAP and MAP. Uh, so this current effect is tightening global supply, which is not good uh, for lower prices. Um, tightening up that supply. If Chinese production rates remain high uh, with exports restricted, it could lead uh, to a bit of a buildup in supply in China, and that could lead to some additional exports later next year, but time will tell. So it's kind of a scenario where FOSS prices maybe hang in, trend higher, uh, but maybe next year we see some additional supply to help lower that price. But we're talking about uh, potentially after... Uh, the North American planting window. So time will tell. Uh, it, he also covered urea. And I thought this was interesting because I reached out to some retails uh, over the last couple of days here, and I got a message from them to basically, um, basically they weren't excited for anyone to buy. Uh, in fact, they thought holding off right now on a purchase was probably a good idea. Now, uh, it's a market that trades. Anything can happen. It could certainly go higher, but that's the feeling I got. Now, when, when I looked at uh, Josh's report, uh, he said world values are trending lower uh, since the conclusion of the last India purchase tender. Uh, Josh says, stay close to your retailers with constant conversation. And uh, I'm not sure if this is still a thing, but back when I worked in, uh, you know, I think my first summer job was with uh, a retailer. 
it uh, we had Coffee Row every morning show up. And uh, I'm not sure if that's still a thing, but if it is, maybe make it part of your routine. Uh, in Dormy, Saskatchewan, we uh, only like a select few people could have coffee in the co-op, like in the back room. Uh, you had to be part of a special club. But uh, and we didn't have a coffee shop, so you had to go to the to the retail uh, to get a cup of coffee. And uh, there's always a couple tables filled with people solving all the world's problems. Uh, but hey, maybe you got to get back to that right now. Just keep in constant contact with your your retailer. He doesn't expect a ton of downside in price, as logistics are still the real concern. Uh, so he says, stay engaged. And if you are going to buy uh, urea. Maybe uh, pair that up with a grain sale or two or three. Um, I uh, Again, I like to be optimistic on crop prices, but um, I also see some opportunity there or, or expect opportunity in short order. So if you're going to buy, pair that up with a grain sale. Now for urea quotes, I don't have a lot of them, uh, but there's some consistency here. Uh, I got three 780s for urea. That would be for a fall uh, type uh, movement, so November, and then I got an 800 for November, and then I got an 830 and an 840, and that was for spring. Okay, so um, maybe that uh, helps you out here uh, just a little bit in making your fertilizer decision, and I hope to have Josh join the show uh, over the next couple months and, uh, you know, continue to provide, uh, as best I can, insight into the fertilizer market. Okay, uh, that's all I have on fertilizer. So we are going to switch gears now uh, to our top egg story of the week. Uh, we're going to cover oil seeds in great detail. Uh, but let's bring in a friend of the show, Brett Waltz from BAMWX. And let's talk about the Brazilian weather forecast, especially that long range forecast. All right. Brett, thank you so much for uh, joining me here once again. Of course, this is Brett Waltz from BAM WX. Man, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for thanks so much for having me. It's a wonderful day here. I've got short sleeves on. It's it's warm, almost seventy. Nice. I uh, I want to talk to you about Canadian weather in, in just a few minutes here because uh, it's been like I I almost wanted to cut my grass last week just to say that I did it in November, which is crazy. So anyways, our, our top story of the week here is uh, is Brazilian weather. Mm. And I saw soybeans pulled back uh, aggressively today, soybean futures that pulled back canola. Uh, but what are you guys seeing at BAM when it comes to that uh, Brazilian weather forecast? Yeah, that, that's an area that just kind of continues to struggle with moisture. And not only that, but the next several days, uh, aside from some very isolated precipitation chances, it's going to be hot. Uh, you're talking about well above normal heat, 90 to 100 degrees plus uh, for many of the primary growing areas there into Mato Grosso as well. And uh, I think that that is something that is increasingly a concern as we go into uh, December. I do think that there's maybe a little bit of hope for some precipitation as we get into next week. Uh, you okay. know, I think that there at the very least is probably going to be what we would call return flow from the Atlantic Ocean where we get some pop-up activity. So some people might get lucky 
but I'm concerned that some of the model data continues to be maybe a little bit overly aggressive. Uh, it's a common issue that happens in North America in the summertime as well, is the data seven, eight, nine days out tries to see what really is just pop-up storms, and it tries to make it too broad-brushed or too widespread. And I'm concerned that the same type of thing is happening in Brazil as well. And so uh, okay. I think next week could be a period that's not as hot, where there's some rains, but I, I'm concerned that it's not enough and not widespread enough enough to really put a dent in, in the deficit that they're dealing with right now. Okay, I those are great comments because the the market certainly, uh, you know, if you just looked at the soybean market today, it gave me the impression anyway that uh, a significant moisture event was in the forecast and maybe a change in in trend. So those are some really good points there, Brett. Um, I, I think that's probably, uh, probably good for Brazil. Um, how about in your, uh, in your backyard in the, in the U S, uh, what are you guys seeing for weather forecast, um, going into that, uh, holiday long weekend? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, it's, it's mild right now, but that's going to change pretty drastically, uh, working into Thanksgiving and black Friday, I actually have a piece of what I would call the, the tropospheric polar vortex. That's going to move down into the great lakes. It's going to bring the coldest air of the season. And with that, you're going to start to squeeze out some snow shower and some wintry weather threats as we work into Thanksgiving. And then maybe a bigger storm to watch sometime late next weekend and into early the following week towards Cyber Monday. I definitely think that if you're in the Midwest, you're in the Great Lakes, maybe even the Ohio Valley, need to be on the look look out for some impactful weather. Uh, at the very least, it's a huge travel time frame. And I think mm -hmm. that it's not going to be perfect like it is this week. That's nobody wants to hear that, you know, when it comes to yeah, stressful travel time, right? <laughs> but that's uh, maybe, maybe folks will change some plans up a little bit with that, but that's um, I guess that time of year, right? It, it certainly happens. It All right. Um, well, finally, let's switch over to Canada. Like I, I said here, um, it's been mild. I uh, don't yeah. have any snow and uh what else do you see for the Canadian prairies? Yeah, and I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of snow through the end of the month. Uh, you do get this cold shot, so it is going to get colder next week as well. But with the cold and how, how strong of a shot of cold that it is and where it's coming from, it just is going to suppress the moisture for you all up there. Uh, those storm, the storm track is going to be a lot further south. And you all, and even into the northern plains in the U.S., are just kind of in a lull versus where I think the better storm track is going to set up. And so drier than normal, probably cold for a time, but I think into December it gets mild again and you probably continue to have the best storm track to be a little bit further south. I'd watch later in December, maybe to pick up some better chances. I think the month as a whole could end up more seasonable when all is said and done, but I think the month probably starts off on a drier note. I don't think there's a ton of snow in there. I have a, a three-year-old and she was asking uh, this week if we could go outside and make a, build a snowman. And uh, I said, not, not quite yet, uh, sweetheart. We, uh, we need some snow. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'll cross my fingers for a white Christmas here <laughs> up in. Uh, yeah. Maybe, in by, maybe by then, surely by then. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I got to put my Christmas lights up this week if it's going to get cold next week. So I'll there work on that. Um, all right. Uh, great weather update. Appreciate it. Um, 
how about for uh, for you guys over at BAM? Anything anything new that you want to cover off today? Yeah, we've actually got a, a quite a lot of new things that are coming at BAM Weather over the next couple of weeks. The biggest thing is next Thursday, so Thanksgiving evening, we're actually going to be launching our brand new platform called Clarity. That's going to be a platform that anyone can use, but it has great for people in the agriculture industry uh, to look at all kinds of, of different specific agricultural conditions, spray index and uh, evapotranspiration rates and growing degree units and things like that. Um, and the ability to talk to us at any time so we can really okay. kind of break down what the forecast is for you. And that launches on Thanksgiving evening. And with it, we're doing a launch sale slash Black Friday sale. Uh, it's going to be 50% off, and we would love to uh, to help anybody out with that. You can go to our, our website, bamwx.com, and it'll be all over our social media pages as well. Fantastic. That is great, and uh, that's a great uh, offer as well. So I'm um, excited. Uh, we'll get our farm nice and set up there and uh, look forward to that. So thanks again, Brett. Uh, always a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, we'll certainly connect here next month. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy very early Thanksgiving. And uh, yes, talk with you later. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. So our top story is, of course, the South American weather and uh, the impact it's had on futures values here over the last uh, week or so today. Uh, and again, recording this on Thursday afternoon, a bit of a down day uh, in soybeans and canola. Uh, I wanted to just continue to elaborate on this uh, a little bit more and bring into the conversation. Yes, we have South American weather scares, which is it's a bit early for that um, uh, to impact the growing um, season a, a whole bunch. But, you know, there are reports that portions of Mato Grosso, you can see up to 2 million hectares of soybeans replanted due to drought. So it's obviously it's a it's an important story out there and it will gain more importance as we approach the end of 2023. Uh, but let's also bring in palm oil uh, into the equation here because palm oil, soybeans, soybean oil, soybean, soy meal will all have a impact on your direction of canola price. Uh, so palm oil, um, you know, for, at the moment, and, and these notes are uh, from Oil World, they're a great publication if you uh, want to check them out. Uh, but for the moment, palm oil supply is quite large in Malaysia, India, and Pakistan. Uh, Indonesia's production uh, has fallen short and could still be impacted by dryness due to El Nino. And so there's actually a bit of a bullish story playing out in the palm oil market. Uh, from January of 24 to September of 24, uh, global production decline is likely across all vegetable oils. Again, this is according to the fine people at Oil World put together a great publication. Uh, while demand from the biofuel industries of the U.S., Brazil, and Indonesia is expected to continue to expand. So high demand, less supply, good uh, result and palm oil values uh, continuing to increase pardon me for the first half of 24 and uh it may be increased as much as 10 percent okay um so there's a palm oil story in the background uh brewing and it does have an impact on your canola so we've got weather in south america we've got palm oil story brewing in indonesia strong demand and uh, let's add in the latest on canola at the same time here now, we all know that exports have been 
horrendous. And you can tell by looking at bids across the prairies. And it's your crushers uh, that are leading. And CHS as well, I believe. Uh, I'll check what town that was. But um, uh, they also had some very strong bids. And I just had it here. So give me one sec. I'm just going to double check. Uh, so for Canola, your crushers are leading. And CHS and Winkler, Manitoba. That's what I thought was Winkler, Manitoba. Uh, also some strong bids out there as well. Um, so uh, canola exports from Canada, uh, terrible. China uh, down 40% year over year. Also seeing declines out of Mexico, Chile, and South Korea. Uh, the bright spot has been the increased demand to the U.S. Uh, up 60% year over year. And uh, right now it's all about those crush plants. Uh, crush margins are... Fantastic, $220 a ton, similar to this time last year, and a good reason for them to be the top uh, bids across the prairie. So it's not all doom and gloom in this canola market. I know we had a tough day today, uh, down you know over 12 bucks a ton. I, I know that, or I feel strongly that stats can will increase canola production on, on the December 4th report. Uh, but it's there's some stuff brewing here, folks, that you're going to want to pay attention to. I noticed uh, Bungie Nipawin uh, had a $16 canola special for January as well. Uh, again, crushers leading uh, and lots of margin there for them to, to do so. All right. Um, okay. So that's about all I had uh, when it comes to uh, South American uh, weather and, and the impact here on oil seeds. And uh, let's stay close to this one, folks. Again, uh, I was feeling a little bit better about canola values uh, uh, last week and episode maybe was that two. I uh, can't quite remember. Still feeling okay about it. Uh, as Brett mentioned, there is some rain in the forecast, some cooler temperatures, but is the forecast, uh, you know, penciling a little too much precipitation? We'll find out next week. The market certainly trading it like it, uh, like it was certainly going to rain a whole bunch. Uh, okay, uh, switch gears now. Let's talk about the feed market uh, for a little bit. It's it's a tough one to talk about, in my opinion. I've been a big bear in in the barley market here for uh, what seems like the last um, four or five months. Uh, but I did get an update from Marketplace Commodities. Uh, uh, we do have our friend of the show there, David Lee. He'll join us on a few episodes uh, later on. But he did send over some notes in regards to uh, feed direction. And so obviously the USDA report on November 9th showed an increase in corn bushels. Um, and we saw a new low in the December corn contract of 461. Uh, so that increased uh, production has pressured all feed grains, including barley. Uh, farmers obviously looking for some higher prices right now. Uh, well, feed lots and in quotations that are still using barley, because we know a lot of them are using corn, uh, are showing lower bids as they are currently overbooked on grain. So this is a mid-November update. November loads have been slow to move. Uh, trade has slowed down as well. It's quiet out there. Uh, to top it off, uh, rejected malt barley is traveling north from Montana into the Lethbridge feed supply. Uh, wheat's trading at a $5 to $10 a ton uh, premium over barley. Uh, but in many scenarios, wheat has been replaced by U.S. corn. Uh, latest estimates of corn imports are at 3.2 million metric tons, uh, up from a previous forecast of 2.2. Uh, seasonal low for barley typically occurs between mid-November and February. 
and uh, David is recommending that you sell when you see a pop-up in values. Now, uh, silver lining here is, uh, and maybe cross your fingers, that these low values translate into some export business uh, out of this country. Maybe we can ship a couple of vessels of barley out, um, but it looks like the Australians have that tied up for the moment. So tough, tough slugging. I, I know I was maybe a bit optimistic on malt barley values last episode. Not seeing that right now uh, across the prairies. Uh, I got a couple of feed bid updates and they were lower, tracking lower and lower. And, uh, you know, at this point, um, I, I suppose uh, that uh, you kind of have to stay patient right now. I, I don't know if you want to chase it right now. I, I still think values could work a little bit lower, but geez, um, are we not getting close to a bottom here? Fingers crossed, right? And uh, export demand would certainly help that out. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's good uh, for the feed market uh, for the time being. Malt values, um, talk about top bids in a second, but malt values kind of pulling back a little bit here just slightly as well. Now, all right, folks, I'm recording this after the close on Thursday. Uh, here's your futures update. Canola down 1270, uh, trading at 706. Now, just remember, folks, we were at 671. Uh, just a couple weeks ago. So we're still, we're going the right way for the most part. Uh, soybeans down 24 and a half cents at 13.60. Again, trading that uh, wetter, wet forecast for Brazil. Uh, corn up four cents at 4.74. So that's up from that bottom from, uh, you know, 10 days ago at 4.61. Uh, oats uh, currently down about a penny at 3.69 off the March. Still a downtrend in the oat market. Uh, Chicago wheat down seven, Kansas wheat down 12, spring wheat down nine cents, uh, 726 on the December contract. That range, uh, 710 to 740 is basically where we're trading. And uh, again, I'm seeing $10 bids at, you know, Daysland and Patterson. Um, uh, Patterson and Daysland, Alberta, pardon me. Um, but, you know, it's if you get uh, that 950 in certain portions of the prairies up to 10 bucks in certain areas, that seems to be the sell rate now to generate uh, cash flow. Uh, crude oil uh, having a rough go today, trading at 73.13 a barrel. Uh, this next range that we could trade would be between 66 and $71 a barrel. And the Canadian dollar gave up almost half a cent here today at 72.67. All right. Um, top bids uh, for the week. I wanted to find them. Here we go. Top bids. Uh, this is powered by our friends over at Farm Bucks. So check out their app. Uh, it's very easy to use. Uh, you can basically uh, put in the commodities that you want to track for prices and it pulls in. I'm not sure how many data points uh, at this time. I'll have to ask uh, Lynn next time I chat with her. Uh, but uh, a whole bunch of bids uh, for reference. And so anyways, this session, uh, this segment is powered by Farm Bucks. Now, um, I'm just going to highlight a couple things here um, for today. So green, large green lentil, 70 cents a pound. Uh, small green, 65 cents a pound. Um, and for many, that would be picked up on farm. Uh, reds, I know 40 cents a pound is a kind of a sweet spot out there for a number. And it is pulling a bid into Estevan of 40 cents. So if you're a red lentil grower, uh, 40 cents might actually be a bit of a sell um, for you to consider. Um, other than that, I see yellow pea bids backing off ever so slightly. Still seeing some 
you know, between 11 and 12, depending on where you farm, but uh, not doing a, a whole bunch there. And uh, green peas kind of hanging in, in the uh, up to that $17 a bushel range. Um, not doing much new when it comes to, uh, to, to green peas, maple peas still in that 24 to $25 range. Um, other than that, folks, I, I don't know. I just find it like eerily quiet uh, when it comes to crop pricing. It's uh, not that it's boring at this time per se, but um, not a lot going on. I did see uh, an oat price actually pick up. So it, it was like six weeks of down, one week of steady. And now a little special popped up for some uh, oats. Um, the value was not super uh, exciting, but hey, going in the right direction. And as uh, Chuck mentioned uh, a little while back, uh, a little bit optimistic on where oat prices could go. Uh, all right, folks, um, I think that's it for prices here. So let's, uh, let's just get to uh, uh, maybe some things to consider, some strategies to consider. Um, now I, I really don't have the right to give you uh, any, uh, advice. I, I don't know your farms, uh, individually. Um, but you know, I wrote my notes here to make a, a plan to sell barley. Well, maybe to sell malt barley, uh, I guess would be the, the, the one to consider feed barley. I, I've been selling lots of feed barley the last couple of months. You know, we cleaned out our farm. Oh man. Mid September, I guess is when we did our contract, but anyways, um, can't reverse, uh, can't go back in time. Um, so I, I think for right now, uh, I'm still being patient on a lot of crops, patient on canola, uh, certainly hitting those wheat targets and getting some wheat moved. And also, I would say if you got, you know, if you have pulses on the farm, it's probably a good idea to move pulses to generate cash flow. Um, cash flow is a super important uh, topic this time of year. And maybe it's a yellow pea, a green pea, uh, you know, a lentil or flax you know that's those are the crops i would certainly look at uh, selling at this time okay uh, all right uh let's move over now i do have uh combines from chris now chris was a little bit shy uh he farms up in uh kind of that peace region up uh, a little bit further north than me uh than i um but i do have permission to read the read this out so so chris went to the website submitted uh, some equipment to sell and, and we've got twins here to sell. So we've got two 9120 case combines. Uh, both have premium cabs, magna chop choppers, uh, blades are two years old, small tube rotors, pickup heads, full auto steer. Uh, they finished up harvest here 2023 with no problems and have had lots of new parts uh, over the last five years. Uh, Chris is asking 105,000 uh, OBO uh, for those, uh, each one of those combines. And so uh, reach out to the show, go to uh, email, text me. You got that at the start of the episode. Lots of ways to get a hold of me. If you are interested in these combines, I can get you in touch with Chris and uh, set you guys up from there. Uh, okay. And uh, just to wrap up the episode, some housekeeping. Uh, we didn't have any voicemails uh, this week. Our, our voicemail sponsor is uh, Tower Farms. That's uh, Jacob and Becky Boychuk of Pioneer Seeds. Uh, we are going to draw for some seed uh, P516L. You can see it behind me here in the shot. Uh, any voicemail submitted by December 17th, uh, we're going to draw for that a couple days after uh, the 17th. 
Uh, it's easy to participate. Um, even going to put a little video on social or social media so that you can uh, see how to do this. But go to the uh, go to the website, uh, whatthefuturespodcast.ca, of course, and uh, click on the voicemail button. And even just give me input on the show. Are you enjoying the show? Where are you tuning in from? Anything like that uh, will count. And uh, of course, if you have a question that you want me to answer, I'll do my best at that as well. Uh, go ahead and do that. You'll get entered to win a bag of canola seed. This is worth like 800 bucks. We're going to draw for these monthly. Uh, the first one that was coming up in, uh, I guess, just over uh, a month here. Um, other than that, we have uh, our next contest uh, will be out in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I've got some fun collaboration uh, going on for the next contest. Um, if you're uh, if you're a grain buyer or a, a farmer, I, I'm looking to build two panels uh, to record. Get you know three farmers, three grain buyers with me. Separate episodes, of course, uh, but just to have a panel discussion. If you are a grain buyer or a farmer and are interested in joining the show, uh, message me and uh, let's have some fun with it. And if you have made it to minute 41 of this episode and you enjoyed today's content, uh, if you could do me a huge favor and share it with your friends and fellow farmers um, across your channels, I uh, would appreciate it. The show, uh, we've got listeners uh, tuning in now in South Africa. So thank you, Jan, for tuning in. Uh, we've had listens in Spain, uh, the UK, Germany, uh, a whole bunch in Mexico, which is great. Uh, some, some of you must be on vacation. And, um, uh, of course, Canada and the U.S. So uh, tell your friends. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm out. <laughs>